All right, welcome to another episode of... Action! Welcome. That means start. To another episode of Stand Up Memories. Is your mic on? My mic is on. Okay. The lights are on, the cameras are on. Jackie the Joker. I still haven't recovered from doing a half a show without the mics on. I know. We're going to be paranoid from now on. And we were talking about how that happened to Jack Parr way back in the 60s, and we had the arrogance to compare ourselves to Jack Parr. Jack Parr got thrown off the air for what was not a dirty, in anybody's mind, uh, comment. And they gave him, I don't know if it was a month later or a couple of years later, they gave him a second shot to do his, his talk show on, I think it was ABC. It was ABC. And he went out and did a crazy killer monologue, just destroyed the place for like 12 minutes. And when he's done with the monologue, the guy in the, the guy in the, you know, in the control room hit the mic on and said, ah, uh, something was wrong up here, right, Jack? We got to do it again from the top. Which meant do his monologue again to the same audience, the same monologue. So I guess he just was like a trapped lion and he was just pissed off. He lost his temper. But of course. So if... If they did that to Jack Parr, how can you possibly get upset at Michael Zinn <laughs> for doing that at our level? All right. It, obviously, these things happen. You've got to roll with them. Right, we do. We have to roll with them, and let's roll now. Yeah. Our, our <laughs> guest is getting ready to leave. He is. <laughs> Stand-up memories. I'm Peter Bales. That is Jackie Martling. Welcome to the show. And we have a terrific guest, Joe Cravella, one of the... Hot, young, new comics on the scene here, the Long Island comedy scene, which is very active. And I have to ask him the same question as our other new young, comic. Yes. I guess young performer. What, what's, what's politically? Young performer. Okay. Comedian. Yeah, you can't say starting out. That sounds a little... Starting out. Did you take Peter's class? Uh, not when I first started, but um, later down the line I took it. You took his class just to get on this stupid show? <laughs> Pretty much. Until you know. By the way, what's the name of that class? I remember. Stand-Up University. And you can check us out at Stand-Up University. <laughs> do, you know, do you know who I am on this Dot show? Com. Did you ever see the movie Airplane? Uh, no. Well, oh, in, this movie, in this movie Airplane, One year. it's a really, really funny comedy movie. And the running thing through the whole, through the whole film is this young, good-looking guy is freaking out because his girlfriend broke up with him. And everybody he winds up next to, he starts complaining, like I'm sure you've had friends that have broken up with girls or broken up with women and just wailing about how sad he is. And every time he's sitting next to somebody, they kill themselves in a different way. Like a nun, <laughs> a nun hangs herself and a, a Chinese guy stabs his stomach. And, and every time he starts plugging his, his stupid class, I feel like I gotta slash my wrist. It's not a stupid class. There are How was certain it? movies. It was, was all right? Yeah, it was, it was cool. Honestly, it was a good experience. Uh, definitely no regrets. Learned a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't go overboard. Well, it, Joe, costs, it costs money, right? It does. It's, it's very reasonable, though. And uh, See? <laughs> Joe Cravella, new comedian on the scene. Cravella Cravella. Crovella, C-R-O-V-E-L-L-A, correct? Correct. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Glad to be here with you guys. Thank you guys. And you were out there, and I am so impressed by Joe, who 
is a great writer and really learning how to perform stand-up for strangers. How long have you been doing it? Uh, probably a little bit over a year now. I actually, right. I'm getting close to my two-year mark, probably like a few more months. All right, June. two years. St I know that sounds like time to you, but that's a drop in the bucket in a stand-up career. <laughs> and uh, it, It's so funny, because I always say this, but I remember everything that happened the first year or the first two years, and the next 40 years are a blur. Because when you're so new, every single thing and every car ride and every bomb and every flat tire and you know such an impressionable time you know but i wasn't i wasn't 18 i was like 32. <laughs> now but you still, how old, you're still in college correct yeah last year last year at what college uh farmingdale state suny farmingdale majoring in business management business management what are you hedging your bets here something nah. to fall back on something, yeah safety fall man. back on before i started comedy i wanted to do uh real estate so i wasn't even thinking about comedy before this right, i had well, a listen, business mindset listen, how'd you stumble in um honestly it was during the pandemic and uh i like kind of like not an epiphany but a lot of my friends have told me to do it for years and then one day uh, when we had talked about it, I was I went to a party and the first thing they said to me was, yo, Joe, we talked, you should do stand-up comedy. At that moment, I was like, all right, I gotta do this at this point. Stand-up comedy is addicting and you're addicted. So you're gonna be with oh, this a long time. I don't know if you know it or not. It's changed me. Remember like, the I'm first like, thing I said to you when you joined the comedy class, stand-up university, I said, the first one's free, kid. And you are addicted in a good way. It's a good. <laughs> yeah. and I remember when I met Peter, I said comedy is addictive, and uh, you're a dick. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> That's how it works in this. Now, business. tell me about the good and the bad of stand-up. You've had good shows. I've seen them. Appreciate that. And uh, but tell me about the tough shows. And, and how do you keep going after a tough show? All right. So I, I have some. I don't know which ones I should bring up. I, I did this one. I think this one's pretty bad. Uh, we drove up to Boston this summer, and uh, this was cool. Gig. It was my first road gig, so I was excited. Whatever. A couple other guys, girls. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, me and my two my uh, two of my comedy buddies, and we get there, and uh, all three were on the show. Yeah, yeah. So we were on the show, and then we drove up there. We were in this uh, horrible, horrible hotel. It was so bad the hotel before we get into the gig that uh, that we had to bring our bags every time we left because they said the people would steal it. And there was literally an article that just said, beware of Jose. That's that's how bad the place was. Wow. And then, um, all right, so let's get to the show. And then uh, we get to the that's show. Not, that's not, that's so <laughs> discomforting to start your weekend that yeah. way. You know, like, so you know, the, the, the room itself was like, okay, this is how we're starting. But um, the show is only four people in the audience. So we drove three hours to Massachusetts just to perform. <coughs> well, at least they outnumbered you. Yeah, honestly, that was uh, <laughs> it was one of the worst gigs I ever did. But with four people, it was hard to tell how you were doing. Um, yeah, definitely. But uh, it was just like we were all just being brutal about it. Like we weren't being fair about it. We were just kind of like shitting on the gig and whatnot. <laughs> well, that, there's no tougher situation. You know, that's one of those things. There's so many things that you pound into your head. But one of the things you have to pound into your head very early on is no matter how good you are, the empty chairs aren't gonna laugh. You know, as stupid as that sounds, you know, we remember we'd worked the Fort Lauderdale comic strip, <clears throat> which was a big room, like 400 people or 450 people, and you know, it would build up because you work seven nights and Monday and there'd be more Tuesday and more Wednesday and more th until Saturday night, the place would be jammed and packed. 
But then the last night of the week before you went home was Sunday, and there'd be like 10 people there. <laughs> and it, it, you just want to pull, there's nothing you can do. You know, there's nothing you can do. And laughter breeds laughter. So, you know. That's very true. I, I do I do struggle in small rooms. That's like my biggest thing. When If I see a small room, uh, psychologically, I already just psych myself out. And I'm like, this is a small be room meaning room. a small amount of people. Yeah, like anything less than like 10 people or so, I know it's going to be a. Oh, less than 10 people. That, yeah, that, but that's an less, impossible yeah. situation. Yeah, what about, you mean this? You don't mean the size of the room, you mean the size of the audience. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, size of the audience, yeah. Okay, well. Nobody, nobody can handle that. You, you know, you everybody can, talks about. You can have a good time with yeah, a small yeah, crowd. The, yeah, the Boston gig didn't even hurt my confidence, but I've had one where, where some girl uh, went like, before I even said anything. Really? And I think that was the, that was two people in the audience. And that one I went home and I remember I thought to myself, I was like, can I handle this? Right, right, it pulls the, lets the air out of your tires. It, yeah. it, did you think about quitting? Um, it's like one of those things where like you think about it, but you know, damn well you're never gonna do it you know it's just like you just say it but you know you're not going to yeah like if I ever was gonna quit it would be now <laughs> right? uh, so it's so funny because it, when when this crowd is bad whether there's a lot of people or not a lot of people it's so funny how if you have a, a 35 minute act you know it's 45 minutes on a killer night but when there's nobody laughing it's 17 minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Fly by your set too. So have you ever had a big crowd where it didn't go well? And sometimes there's, I bet you know this, there's a phenomenon where you have a big crowd and they're great. And sometimes I think to myself, this audience is better than I am. I'm getting better, <laughs> bigger laughs than some of these things deserve. Yeah. But sometimes the audience is... They, they can bring you down. They brought um, each other on. Just happens. Um, and and uh, do you take that home with you? Do you feel bad after bad shows, or how do? Oh you yeah, of course. Tell tell people starting out in comedy. Number one, should they do it? You, do you still recommend it to people who want to? Have to look into one of the cameras to say this, or right there. Um, wait, uh, what was the question? The question was identify two causes of World War One. <laughs> I'm sorry. The question was. He's a history professor. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and that is you that. to young people who are thinking about starting out in stand-up comedy and all that comes with that can you recommend it and the camera's right there uh, Peter if he recommends it more people will do it that'll right. make it tougher for him to get a gig why would he recommend it because he cares about the greater good not just himself I want comedy to be popular I want comedy to be like the Super Bowl good life um, honestly, you just need thick skin because uh, if, if you can't if you can't take any of those brutal nights because there's a lot of them, you know, it's just comedy is brutal. Uh, if you can't take it, then this is the wrong. Yeah, you, wrong you thing find to do. out pretty quick. Yeah, you're, you know. you're in harsh environments. You're dealing with bar shows, all sorts of stuff. You know? But you're practicing and you're getting better and you're getting mm. new jokes to be better and work eventually, right? Yeah. How do you feel when you're having a great show? Oh, it's, uh, it's the it's the best feeling ever. <laughs> Can't even explain it, you know. You just you really can't explain that to somebody. You really you can't. can't. It's just such a high, and like some dude came up to me after a show one time, and he was like, uh, everybody kept coming up to me saying stuff, and he was like, that must be the best feeling ever. And I was like, dude, you don't even know, man. <laughs> I was trying to act like I didn't care, but deep down, you know, it's the best feeling. And there's ever. so many, there's so many permutations to that. We, uh, I don't know how the shows are nowadays, but the same uh, example. This place, the Fort Lauderdale Comic Strip, went a lot of places. Um, it didn't used to be headliner, middle act. It used to be like three comics. If there was a show in a bar or a show in a comedy club, 
do a three comics, and you, you, you go first, I'll go in, whatever. And at the end of the show, we'd be standing in the bar, the three comics, and uh, the people would file out. And it was always so uncomfortable because it'd be like you and me and him and somebody go, oh, you were so great. Oh, man, you're great. You too, you were great. And then they walk past the third time. <laughs> say, you were so great. And then look at me and like, and you were great to, oh, man, <laughs> it never failed to be uncomfortable. And then, of course, you know, it was, uh, it was unpredictable and everybody had so much fun, like making fun of the loser, you know, oh God. Let me give credit to my partner at Stand Up University, who's also a comedian, Rich Walker. He tells the story about- Now it. you're plugging your partner. Stand Up University, but it's, it's relevant. Dot com. Dot com. Stand Up University, that's where you start out in Stand Up. Now, <laughs> he was standing next to another comedian at the end of a show in the and audience. You can get, get drugs at these The classes, audience right. is walking out, and one woman says to the first comedian, you were great, you were so terrific, oh, you're so funny. And she notices Rich and looks at him and goes, don't worry, you'll find something. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's just... Yeah. Ah, ah. So, do you... Um, and some of, you know, after a certain amount of time, you know, like... The people say, you were great, and then some, the other guy jump in and say, how was I? I'm just trying to nip it in the bud. Yeah, I actually sometimes follow people out to their car just to get them to comment on the show in a positive way. So do, uh, do you meet women after a con? You're a young guy. Um, you know. No, I'm yeah. serious. Everybody in comedy isn't in it for the pee like you. <laughs> You know, I mean, no, some I mean, of these guys are girls, they're doing it because they love but comedy and show business. You know what they we want don't understand because, because we're older? Does that happen? Um, you know, and you were asking before, do audience drink as much as they used to back in the 80s? Uh, what's the drug of choice today? Back in the 80s, of course, it was cocaine. What, are you that, asking if people I'm asking still have him, sex? No, but I'm, I'm asking if... Back when, when in the 80s there were fewer comics, it was newer, and being a comedian was almost like being a fighter pilot. And yeah, women would get yeah, it, had, it had a lot of cachet. It had cachet. Joe, does it still have the cachet? After, uh, I mean, do, not do, necessarily on a night where there's two people there. Yeah, uh, honestly, for me, it, it tends to be older women will come up to me a lot. And usually it's like, uh, I had a lady at uh, one of the comedy clubs out here come up to me and grabbed my chest and said, how old are you again? And then when I said, uh, this is right before I turned 22, I was like 21 and she was like, interesting. And then like uh, one of her friends just started talking to her and I was like, that was, that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had girls my age come up to me. Well, no, wait, that was definitely... wait, I'm scared to ask this. Yeah. How old is old? Um, these 40, are, 60? Oh, yeah, this, yeah, is so, so, this is gonna hurt. These are, yeah, these, these are like probably like 40 and up. <laughs> did, did you get a phone number? No, no, oh. ne never, never the older women's. I can't, uh, older uh, women. <laughs> Those are younger women, Joe. Don't for, you know? for you guys, yeah. I don't yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna give you a card with my phone number. And <laughs> gotcha. Give that out for me. I definitely will. That's funny that that happened. Yeah, many times actually. It's, uh, it's many pretty, times. Yeah, older older women. They they like my uh, they like my skinny jokes. I guess I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> I well, I mean, I don't. I I'm rarely speechless on this show, but uh, why you don't think he's good enough? Good I, looking enough for no, women I just to hit on him? Well, I feel like I should give him some advice. What happens when an older woman comes up to you after the show? You would have no idea. 
Well, I, I used to. You I slept with one celebrity. No, I didn't. He banged I Dream a Genie. No, that's not For true. Real? No, no, no. That's an urban legend. Now, but listen. That you started. No. No, I, no, it's not true. And the good part no. is that when he was done, poof, she no, made no, him disappear. No, no, no. And that's true. Joe? I guess. We're interviewing <coughs> Joe true. Cravella. That's true. No, she made you true. disappear. Uh, Joe. <laughs> I never if, even thought of that you before she made you disappear. That's, Have they been saying that for 40 years? No. Joe? Joe Cravella is our guest. <laughs> yeah. And she I was, was older than you, too. She must have been like 40. Joe, I want to ask you, do you have any advice for young comics starting out? Have you made any mistakes that you would, you would have in your first almost two years? Yeah, not going home with the 40-year-old broad is yeah. the first mistake he made, right? Let's see. Hmm. Hey, 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 Joe, is broad a word that you use often in your... Uh, <laughs> not really, no. No, no. I, don't, I don't know if that's a common word. 40-year-old tomato. She was a 40, tomato. 50, 60. I've had some old ones, even older right. than that. But um, yeah, uh, the advice I'd give, um, let's see, uh, probably like, probably wouldn't get into contests. Uh, I wouldn't do comedy contests. Okay. Because uh, th those will take a shot of your confidence even when they, they, they really shouldn't because it makes you feel like a loser if you don't win, but that's, that's not They good. shouldn't. Yeah, there's no, up, there's no upside there's to no that. There's no upside yeah, to that. It's just the comedian that night. Who excuse, has those? <laughs> there's lots of them. And I just did one excuses recently, to have yeah. shows and charge the audience. I just did and, one Friday and it was, uh, uh, didn't work out. Okay, so. but you've yeah. got to have a handle. That's happened to a lot of people that I yeah. know, including me, actually. And uh, you do it for stage time, you do it for the experience. Do not invest your ego in whether or not you win. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah Now you know it. I'm sorry. Well, now I, I know, yeah. It's always a goal of mine to win, so after this time, I'm like, All right, oh, okay. Now, you go, uh, you know, from the controlled environment of a comedy class and then you find yourself at open mic nights. Now, describe <laughs> to everybody how tough an open oh, wait, mic wait, wait. night is. I've never asked you this. You start taking his class. When people start taking your class, do they venture out and start trying yes, to do that's stuff? What, that's what they do exact, exactly as soon as they're done with their show, their class show. They go. No, no. I mean, in the course of your course. No. Like well, you have we, to we say the second to, week, does we anybody... We try to, to, to have them for five weeks and And, and you teach, discourage teach them the from process. going yes, out. Yes, because we discourage them from going out to open my guys. We discourage them from talking to their boyfriend, girlfriend, parents, family members, and testing out jokes because they are non we get discouraged. Blah, blah, blah. get discouraged. Okay. We're still, it's still the process. Believe it or not, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. <laughs> It's like showing a painting before it's finished. It's, 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 you don't I had no idea you painted. I was, <sighs> never mind. Uh, so Joe. That's a whole third talent. You're it a is professor. a third talent. I am. You try to be a comedian I and you're a painter. I try, and I, I'm not a painter. But sometimes if they have the numbers on the canvas already. Yeah, but you gotta stay in the lines. I, I, I know. Do they still have that paint by numbers? Why would you ask? Are we talking yeah. about comedy? He, no, Why okay, would you stop. But we're talking about a, somebody in the younger <laughs> generation who doesn't use the word broths. So of course he's never heard of John Negi. Right. So Joe. Negi spelt with a G. Joe. <laughs> G N A G Y. Negi. Okay. Joe. Open mic nights are tough, but it's a part of what young comedians have to deal with. Why are they tough? Uh, because you're you're in a room full of comedians and uh, just uh, bar regulars that don't want to be there in the first place, 
So it's like you're basically just performing in front of this like this this dead room, and uh, it's the most brutal thing you could probably do in comedy. But, but it's, it's still open mic night. Still worthwhile though. I don't I don't know yeah, this. Almost definitely. Because I, these open mic nights are these the nights where you have to bring people with you? No, no, no. I'm talking like these are just like the typical Monday through Thursday uh, bar bar places. The mic set up and then just. Like seats scattered everywhere. There's like this but the isn't people a show. aren't there specifically for the show. No, 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 no. It's not like those type of open mics. Whoa! A lot of times the entire audience is just comedians waiting to go on. Yeah, probably maybe like. Because I always eight. have had that question. I've never had a chance to ask anybody if they these shows. Like I, I almost had a heart attack when I heard the expression "bringer show," oh. where each person brings. You got to bring three people or ten people, whatever. And I always wondered <clears throat> if there's a bringer show. And you bring five people, and I bring five people, and you bring five people. Do they do they give a sucker an even break, or do my people only laugh at me and not laugh at you? And you know what I mean? Depends on the people, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, honestly, usually like, I, I've done a few of the bringer shows, and I will say usually the audience members are very um, are very fair, supportive. They're, yeah, oh, yeah, that's cool. So that hasn't been good. Like now, new material. How do you come up with your material? Your material's about you. I know because I know your act. Yeah. Your material's about you. It's just I guess it's just from like um like watching stuff or just the thought. You could just be driving one day, you think of it, pull your phone out, write down like the name of the topic or or like sometimes at night you'll just grab your phone, you just think of stuff and it's like any other joke. So what about you is unique, do you think? Um I am unique, uh just well, tall. You're you're very tall and you're very thin. Yeah. Which is a good thing, because it's something special that you can talk about on stage and make funny. Yeah. <laughs> and your skinny jokes cannot be stolen from you, because they're unique to you. You don't. You didn't want to do this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Yeah. Do you, give us. Listen, he does material about being tall and skinny. Can you give us just an example? It's odd. It's no audience here. It's the three of us. But you'll you'll get how funny. I get it. I'll laugh, Peter. I get uh, I get the point. One of my skinny jokes. Yeah, I'll probably do one of the uh, the stand-up universe ones. Yes. I, I haven't done this one in a while. Yes. It was um, it was called. Uh, I was like, uh, I've been doing stand-up comedy for a little bit now, and uh, a lot of my friends always ask me why I do it, and uh, I tell them it's because I want to be on TV. You know, uh, not to be famous or to make a lot of money, but. Uh, because I heard the camera adds like 10 to 12 pounds. So. <laughs> right there. That's a great joke. That's yeah. a great joke. What about, um, <laughs> I love that. What about being tall? I mean, uh, I don't make a lot of tall jokes. I feel like that's it's how just tall been, is tall? Um, probably say anything above six foot. He's a tall guy. I think five, tall, that's tall not you. crazy. Tall. I, say, I, I say five tens average male. Me, I'm probably six one, maybe six, six one. Oh, I thought you said six foot. All right, that, at least that's tall. Yeah. Didn't like, you used to play basketball? Yeah. He I, said, setting up Joe Crivella for one of his. Bits? Let's not break our arms patting ourselves on the back, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I haven't done that one in a while. Yeah, let's hear it. No, I, I don't remember it actually. So I, didn't. Uh, I haven't done it after the class that. Uh, like that one. Really? The yeah. How did you keep your pants up? Oh, watch. that one. You, I was. <laughs> can you buy a watch? You're so skinny. When, can you buy a watch? What happens when you uh, buy a watch? The, the joke was like. Uh, it was like. It was like it's all. I was like, uh, something about like how someone got me a watch, and I was like, the only issue is they don't make watches that could fit on my wrist without slipping off. But uh, but it's all good though. I decided to keep it and use it as a belt. And they wanted me to do this like act that, where like I kind of like check the time or something like that. 
but I remember you wanted me to do this joke about going into a drain pipe, but I feel like that was like so ahead of my... Like Not going into the drain pipe, shimmying down the drain pipe uh, from, your <laughs> from your girlfriend at your girlfriend's house when yeah. her father came home. <laughs> Great potential there for comedy. Yeah, I definitely thought about it. I haven't, I haven't touched it yet, but... Uh, now, what's that got to do with being skinny? Uh, <laughs> skinny, tall? I've done that. You've shimmied down a drain pipe when, when your girlfriend's I, <clears throat> I was in the, in the girl's at a girl's house, and her father came home, and I jumped out the window, and I was in her backyard, and I was hiding behind a bush that wasn't much bigger than this. I was behind, and all of a sudden, the floodlights went on. I mean, there must have been five floodlights. This rich area right off of 106 in, in, in uh, Jericho. And I was hiding. Be Somehow, like a woman can pick up a 5,000-pound car, you know. And he didn't see me. And I got away with it. But like uh, shimmying down the drain pipe. If you're a big fatso, you get down the drain pipe if, if you got to. You get, if you have to. But you, What's that got to do with being skinny? Well, that was the joke that we worked on at uh, Stand-Up University, at Stand-Up University. And I'm now. asking why. Why? It, it does, it can, he doesn't have to be tall or skinny to shimmy down a drain pipe. No, that's... Right. I, I love to analyze comedy and analyze it. And <laughs> no, analyze. but the, the, the operative word is comedy. <laughs> well, you have you ever Did you ever go down a drain pipe? I don't think so, no. Well, you never had that many girls. <laughs> is your family supportive? Are your friends supportive of you doing comedy? Does your, is your yeah. family supportive of you going down drain pipes? Running <laughs> that, that, probably not. But uh, as for comedy, yeah, I think, uh, so leading up to it, before I started, I never told my parents or anything until after my first set. I just called my dad and told him, and he was like, he couldn't believe it. But uh, as for my friends, they've been supportive. One of my buddies, he comes to, I'd probably say at least a show a month for me. Since that's, I started. That's so. good. That's yeah, nice. And your dad was happy about it. Yeah, yeah, of course, honestly. He asked me how it went, and then they've came to a few shows, and uh, I see them when I do, like, the contest or whatever. Like, I'll see him and my mom in the audience, and they seem, like, so, like, happy and proud. Like, my mom's, like, nervous, and you can see when the jokes hit, like, they're excited. It's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I spoke to your father after a show once. He said, oh, you did? Yeah, he said, you're the guy who helped to start my son in stand-up comedy, and I said, yeah, I am. And he goes, I hope you get hit by a bus. My, my, father, came, <laughs> my father came to see me play, uh, play music and tell jokes at the Neptune Pub, and I gave this girl a ride home, and on the way to her house, my father tried to make out with her. I swear to God. Never, Jackie, that is... This is just <laughs> No, that's just wrong. Oh, my God, is oh that my wrong? God. And I, I'm not making that up. Oh. He, was, he was trying to make out physically. I'm sorry for those of you who are watching <laughs> the podcast and eating at the same time. <laughs> Joe Crivella, uh, uh, you are so funny. Uh, sorry. He's, he's got the um, standard... Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one brother, no sisters. And what does he think? That, um, that's the toughest crowd. That is, that's that, the, that the is. brothers, sisters. It, it's, it's funny because like, like how I am at home versus how I am with my friends is much different. So before it started, I'd, I would subtly bring it up and they'd always be like, eh, I, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't, you should just do something else or whatever until after. And like now he's supportive. He'll, um, 
he'll help me write jokes or like I'll try, I'll bounce jokes off him. But um, sometimes oh, that's great. Yeah, that's so. great. That's really, really good. Well, I wish you all the best. You are going to be out there. You are going to be successful. I know it, right? He's so. already successfully, successful. He got on Peter Bale's podcast. <laughs> and Jackie the Joke Man Martling's podcast, Santa Memories. Thank you, Joe. <clears throat> now, with Thank any you. luck, this podcast will go on for years without getting anywhere. But so far, it's worked out real well. <laughs> and so after another year, we will have you back. And we'll see. We'll ask you uh, how well, that I, social well, work job is going. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to ask you how the new drain pipe joke is working that you're going to write. Yeah. I can't wait. We're going to have a hamburger after this, and you are going to explain that to me, or you're not getting your food. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had uh, Joe Crivella, up-and-coming, really funny stand-up comedian. Watch for him. Jackie the Joke Man, up-and-coming. Up the drain pipe. And Peter Bales, this (laughs) has been fun, and we will see you next time on Stand Up Memory. That was a pretty good episode. A new episode every Wednesday with me, Peter Bales, Jackie the Joke Man Martling, comedians, interesting people. Leave a comment. We'll, we're going to get, we'll get uh, what am I saying? I don't know. We're going to get back to you. We will respond to your comment. StandUpMemories.com, if you go there, it shows all the different platforms. Oh, Spotify, we're on everything. Every Wednesday. Stand Up Memories. Every Wednesday. A new episode.